Welcome to MTSU on the Record. I'm Jenna Logue. Bedford St. Martins, which is a subsidiary of Macmillan Learning, recently named 10 graduate students to its 2020 Bedford New Scholars Advisory Board. One of those students chosen from students across the country is MTSU's Sydney Blaylock, a doctoral candidate in English with a concentration in rhetoric and composition. We'll talk with Sydney and find out how he and his fellow students will advise Macmillan, a longtime provider of educational text and materials, after this. Here are some of the headlines making news at mtsunews.com, the university's news and information website. MTSU's new Vice Provost of International Affairs is taking the helm and steering the ship through what he calls a perfect storm. Robert Summers assumed his new position July 1. Most recently, Summers was Assistant Provost for Global Engagement at State University of New York, Buffalo State in Buffalo, New York, and also previously held leadership positions at universities in Alabama, New York, and Florida. Working at MTSU under the constraints of the COVID-19 pandemic and national foreign policies over which he has limited control, Summers nevertheless seeks to increase the number of international students on campus. At present, slightly under 500 international students are enrolled for the fall 2020 semester. Summers' mission received a boost July 14th when the White House decided to drop its previously announced intention to deport international college students who plan to take classes only online. Summers said that students who choose to stay in their countries of origin can take classes at a distance or take a leave of absence for a semester. If they live on campus, they can self-quarantine for 14 days after their arrival. In addition to recruiting more international students, Summers seeks to undertake a re-examination of study abroad courses for relevancy and cost-effectiveness with an eye to making sure the classes are pertinent to students' career goals. Summers said he seeks to expand the number of international internships and required courses or substitutions for courses that can be held abroad. For MTSU News at any time, go to mtsunews.com. Sydney, welcome, and thank you for being with us on the program. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. How did you come to obtain this honor? Um, one of the professors in the English department, Dr. Panellides, um, recommended me for the program. Uh, she thought that I might be interested in the program and also that uh, I might have some good ideas to contribute to the program. And um, I looked at it and it sounded like it was an awesome program for students um, who are going to be uh, entering the job market soon. So I went ahead and applied and I was selected for the opportunity. I understand the board has already had a virtual meeting. What was discussed? Um, yes. Um, normally, the meeting would take place in Boston, uh, but because of COVID-19, uh, that was, of course, not able to happen. So we met virtually, and it was a two-fold meeting. Uh, the first part of it was to give our ideas and suggestions on some of the uh, platforms and programs that Macmillan uh, was thinking about uh, integrating and rolling out, but it was also a chance to share um, teaching ideas and teaching philosophy with the other graduate students. So it had the benefit of us helping Macmillan, but also Macmillan helping us become better educators. Are you learning something about the educational publishing business in the process? 
Yes, um, that was actually covered in the very first uh, session. Uh, they did a general overview of what it takes uh, for the editorial team to actually come together and produce an educational uh, textbook, um, all the steps that need to happen, the life cycle of the book, um, and the things that the editorial team needs from the authors um, and when they need it during the life cycle of the book. Yes. What sorts of issues will you be tackling as a member of this board? Um, one of the main things that we'll be tackling is giving feedback on upcoming um, revisions and new books for Macmillan um, in terms of how do our students best learn and how can we help Macmillan um, get those changes into the books for their revisions or create new product lines for our students to help best um, to help them best learn uh, at their uh, potential. Why do so many students seem to enter college with poor writing skills and in many cases poor reading comprehension? Uh, I remember this was the case when I first entered college in the 70s and it still seems to be true today that entering freshmen need a lot of uh, remedial help. So a lot of times it's not so much that um, they don't have the skills, it's that they don't have the confidence to actually find their voice to apply those skills. Writing is hard, and there are a lot of things that students um, want to try, but they either don't have the necessary background or skills or haven't been given the support by their teachers to help them try those things. And that's what I think the nature of a compositional uh, pedagogy is uh, that they really need to understand that students need to find their voice. Um, they're writing in an entirely new genre, and that is the genre of college writing. Um, it's totally alien, it's totally foreign for them, but they need to be given the chance to find their sea legs, as it were, find their own voice, find their own way of writing, their own way of revising, their own way of figuring out ideas. And we try to give them that space uh, in the freshman composition um, program. Um, and I think that's really the difference between high school and some of the idea of remedial versus college is the fact that um, they just don't understand the nature of college writing and it just takes them a while to find uh, out who they are as students and who they are as writers. In a freshman composition class, do you uh, have them write mostly in an essay type format? We're actually moving away from pure essay. Uh, there are many uh, GTAs and faculty who do, who do still use the essay format, uh, and it is a great format, don't get me wrong, but we also now want them to do other modalities uh, beyond just the essay. We'd like them to be able to uh, discover genres and figure out how to write those genres, because if they understand the conventions and the limitations of a particular genre, then they can also figure out, okay, I've never seen this genre before. How can I best write in it? Or what are the things that are part of this genre that will make me be a successful writer in this genre? So, uh, and going back to your uh, example on essays, uh, if they know the essay, they know the three, uh, the, in, the five part essay, the introduction, the three body paragraphs, and the conclusion, 
that may not be the perfect essay in all classes. So if they can figure out what the genre is of an essay that you want to have an introduction, you want to have a body content, and you want to uh, end it strong, then maybe we break the cycle or break the convention of having those three body paragraphs or writing the introduction, then the, then the um, body, and then the conclusion, and we break those into different places, different ways of writing uh, to help the writer best determine what is available to them and what will help them be most successful. So in the freshman composition uh, class, you might even introduce them to uh, short stories, letting them write their own short stories or their own poetry or uh, other genres such as that? Yes. Um, specifically, I'm thinking about um, like blogging, for instance. Uh, perhaps we want to get them to understand um, audience and what better way of understanding audience than to actually write for an audience that isn't just your professor and that isn't just your uh, classmates. When you actually have to consider uh, what other people in the world might have to say and uh, how your ideas are going to affect the wider community, not just your classroom community, it changes the way you write and therefore you have to think uh, more critically about the reasons for which you write. We'll take a break right here. We'll return in just a moment. This is MTSU on the record. MTSU's Jewish and Holocaust Studies minor offers undergraduate students a chance to study the culture and religion of the Jewish people and the Holocaust in an interdisciplinary program. Studies include history and culture, theology and philosophy, and the arts and social sciences. Courses tackle vital topics central to local and global awareness, including multiculturalism and the meanings of diversity, religious tolerance, and genocide. For the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. Tennessee's farm families contribute to our state's economy, nutrition, and culture. The Tennessee Century Farms Program at MTSU's Center for Historic Preservation acknowledges farms that have been in the same family at least 100 years. To date, the program has certified more than 1,500 farms. There's no cost to nominate a farm or be part of the program. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. Our guest is Sidney Blaylock. He's a doctoral candidate in English with a concentration in rhetoric and composition, and he was recently named to the 2020 Bedford New Scholars Advisory Board of Macmillan Publishing. What role has social media had in, in transforming writing skills? One of the major complaints you hear is that uh, writing for Twitter uh, and using the kind of two or three letter or three or four letter shorthand that uh, is popular in text messaging has actually uh, blunted a lot of students' ability to write in a more formal manner. Uh, we actually believe it to be um, a, a boon to, to us as writers because remember, they're writing even more now. Even if Twitter, even Facebook posts, they're writing um, so much more than they ever were uh, in the older generation. Uh, one of the things that we really want to uh, push is the idea of modalities. They have uh, skills in writing, but they also are able to understand what a meme is, for instance. Uh, it's not just the visual component, but it's the written component that often makes a meme memorable or funny. And it's getting them to understand and transfer that uh, critical thinking, 
critical writing skills that's really an important uh, component of today's rhetoric in English departments. And it's really, even though a lot of people don't necessarily like the abbreviations per se and some of the conventions that happen in social media, social media is one of the greatest boons to the uh, English department and the idea of students as writers, because they are writers. Uh, they write for an everyday context using social media. Another one of the, the things that I've heard is that uh, uh, the young uh, millennial writers need to understand that the rules are of engagement are different for each medium, that you don't write the same way for one particular genre or one particular technology that you do for other places. And uh, you, as you were also saying about audience, that you have to be versatile and uh, be able to uh, shift your frame of reference as you go from uh, one thing to another. Another thing I hear particularly about mass comm students is that they're so enamored with the technology that they forget that there's the story, the narration is what it's all about, regardless of whether you're writing for social media, uh, television, movies, text, newspapers, novels, whatever it is, you still have to have a story that captures the imagination. Are you finding this to be the case? Uh, I mean, that's a perfect question. And that gets to the heart of audience awareness. We're definitely teaching them uh, in the rhetoric and composition classes that audience matters, that you definitely need to think about who your audience is as you are writing uh, and even reading works, uh, 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 doing things along the lines of watching your uh, television programs, uh, commercials, whatever it is, that the audience matters and that you do need to tailor your message for the audience. One of the things that we're trying to uh, make sure that students uh, understand is uh, an, an understanding that not only is audience important, but communication is an interaction between both you, the writer, and the reader. And I think that speaks to the narration part, the, the idea that the reader has some agency or some goal in what is written. The same thing is true in, inside of rhetoric with, with the writer that we're trying to teach them that um, they're interacting not just with some amorphous thing out there, but with real people who have real ideas and who have real opinions and that they need to be both respectful of those other opinions that are out there, but also need to be strong enough and considered enough and critical enough in their own arguments uh, so that they can get their point across and uh, their own voice out there. You uh, teach expository writing and research and argument action. Could you explain those areas of expertise for us? English 1010, uh, the expository writing, is more of a general overview of the writing situation, uh, the rhetorical process. We go into the different uh, uh, parts of rhetoric. Uh, we try to help them understand the ideas behind audience uh, that we've been talking about uh, all this entire interview. We try to give them uh, a basis in uh, reflecting on what they write, uh, what they read. We try to give them an idea of thinking critically. Um, and all of that is on top of the actual idea of good writing, which is what the colleagues in the 
uh, rest of the college and the rest of the disciplines are interested in. But we want them to be well-rounded writers, not just someone who can turn out a good or a competent paragraph, but someone who can think critically about the information, digest it, and then give you that awesome paragraph. That's the goal of English 10, 10, 10, 10 expository writing. Uh, argumentation just takes that a step further. How do you argue? Uh, for me personally, I would add in there, how do you argue ethically? Uh, because it's easy to argue as a debate or win-lose situation, which we feel a lot in our political system, but how can you actually argue to communicate, to convince, to persuade uh, without uh, denigrating someone else's ideas or opinions. Uh, that's also an important part of strong argumentation. So for our section, uh, English 1020 argumentation just builds upon the critical thinking, writing uh, skills that we give them in 1010, and then we apply that specifically to the argumentation uh, uh, part of English. In the process of argumentation and the uh, ethics and civility therein, uh, they're going to have to know, are they not, how to deal with people who respond to their argument uh, by hitting below the belt. Uh, the visceral emotional response might be to respond in kind, and they're going to have to learn how to respond in a way that it, in which they don't demean themselves or their audience or weaken their argument. And that's yes. not easy. Yes, you're, you're right. And um, there are actually two things that we do for that. Uh, the first thing we do is we do teach about fallacies. Uh, uh, when you say that a lot of times people are hitting below the belt, they're actually using uh, arguments that contain fallacies in some way. So we do make sure that that gets talked about in our classes. Uh, another thing that uh, we try to do is we talk about the idea of ethos uh, pathos and logos, uh, and specifically how all of those interact uh, in order to communicate. Uh, that's something that we do in both 1010, and we also generally review it, uh, or again, uh, as a practice, uh, I can't speak for uh, everyone, but for myself, and, and knowing what the department's goals are, we tend to review it uh, in 1020 as well, um, so that they understand when an argument is using a strong credibility to, to bring the argument home versus one that is using a huge emotional appeal to get them to feel something viscerally. Uh, if we've done our jobs correctly, uh, they should be able to tell, okay, that argument is an, uh, sorry, is a, uh, argument based on credibility, that one is an argument based on emotion, and that one is a logically constructed argument, and that's the piece that I'm going to actually interact with. Um, and again, they may de de decide to interact with the credibility or on a limited basis on the uh, emotion, but hopefully what we've taught them will allow them to understand what's happening uh, with fallacies, and then what's also happening in terms of the communication aspect of it with ethos, logos, and pathos. We'll have to take another break here. We'll be back in just a moment. This is MTSU on the record. The American Democracy Project is a nonprofit initiative which strives for greater voter registration and civic participation among young people at MTSU and at campuses nationwide. Through encouragement from professors and peers, young adults are shown the value of being more active citizens in their community, their state, and their nation. 
ADP seeks to nurture programs that raise the campus community's level of engagement with society. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. The mission of the June Anderson Center for Women and Nontraditional Students is to provide education, advocacy, direct services, outreach, and programming for the MTSU campus and surrounding community on gender-related issues. The center also assists older students who are trying to balance work, college, and family. It also sponsors a monthly legal clinic, career brown bag series, book club, and a newsletter twice a year. For all of the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. Sidney Blaylock is a doctoral candidate in English. He's uh, concentrating on rhetoric and composition, and he is one of 10 graduate students who have been named to the 2020 Bedford New Scholars Advisory Board of uh, Macmillan Publishing. Uh, what is it like being a, a graduate teaching assistant and having a chance to have this impact on the materials that people are actually going to be using in the classroom? You know, G, GTA has a lot of responsibility. You're not paid a heck of a lot, goodness knows, but you're at that stage where you're sort of neither fish nor fowl. You haven't done your doctoral dissertation and gotten that stamp of a approval yet, and yet you still have a, a, a very heavy weight on your shoulders teaching these young, impressionable people. How do you navigate that territory? It's both an honor and a challenge. Um, one of the things that I think all of us uh, in the English department, but especially the GTAs, um, feel is that our job is to help our students navigate the community in which they are now a part of. Um, and one of those ways that we can help them is by both being advocates for them in the classroom by uh, giving them all of the information that we need to uh, as we teach our classes, but also for Bedford uh, specifically, uh, being able to actually impact and tell the producers of the textbooks, well, here is what these particular students find useful or helpful. Um, and these things that you're doing over here that you think are, are awesome, but the students don't use them quite as much. So being able to guide Bedford uh, into uh, the avenues in which our students are actually interacting uh, with us in the classroom and with themselves and their colleagues uh, in the classroom is super both rewarding uh, as well as awesome. Uh, it's an awesome responsibility and we all take it super uh, seriously. Not that we don't want to have fun in our classes and enjoy our students, but it is something where we really want to help them become productive members in the academy and then from there uh, out into the greater world in whatever career they decide uh, is best for them. So what impact do you think that COVID-19 is going to have on teaching classes in your discipline when you return for the fall? That is an excellent question. Now, for this question, I can't speak for the department as a whole, and I hesitate to speak to every GTA and every faculty member because we all teach differently. But I know for me, some of the things that we're working towards now is uh, we're gonna, and we're going to have an orientation later in the semester to work through some of the ideas and uh, with our colleagues. But 
the interaction that the students would normally have in a classroom is obviously going to be muted in terms of um, doing it asynchronously or even if we have a Zoom session uh, synchronously at some point, uh, you just don't get that same level of interaction. Uh, for me personally, I like to put students in small groups. Uh, and that's something that's going to be a lot harder to do. Zoom offers the breakout rooms and breakout sessions. So that's something that I'm looking uh, into doing for the upcoming fall semester. But really seeing the interaction between the students and the way students are able to teach their peers without realizing they're doing the teaching is something that is going to be a challenge to navigate in this post-COVID world. I look at my role as not so much as a professor or teacher, but a facilitator. I'm there to facilitate the learning that happens. And it's a lot harder when it's through a screen than it is when you're there interacting one-on-one. -on -one. How far along are you on the dissertation? I am at the beginning stages. I just turned in my prospectus to my professor, uh, my dissertation director. So I'm waiting for his feedback. He's already told me that uh, I should probably go ahead and uh, continue working on the reading list and continue working on uh, making the notes that I'm making. Um, I am working on a rough draft of the, of the dissertation, but until I defend the prospectus, um, I don't want to get too deep in case there are places where I need to back up and reformulate my ideas. Understood. Well, congratulations once again on uh, being named to the Bedford New Scholars Advisory Board. I wish you the best of luck uh, this coming semester. It's a, a work in progress and something of a great human experiment, but we're all going to be teaching and learning as we go. Sydney Blaylock, thank you for being our guest today on MTSU on the Record. Thank you so much for having me, and thank you for the opportunity. We'll be right back. The Experiential Learning Scholars Program at MTSU gives students a chance to go outside the classroom and obtain hands-on experience in their chosen fields of study. They'll have the opportunity to give something back to the community through service learning as they gain acceptance for graduate study. Students should be able to select EXL-designated courses from major requirements and general studies requirements to complete the 16 to 18 hours of EXL coursework. For all of the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. The Intercultural and Diversity Affairs Center helps to promote awareness and understanding of the wide variety of cultures represented at MTSU. The center provides information, referrals, and resources. Additionally, IDAC tries to make students from different cultures feel welcome and comfortable on campus so they can have every opportunity to fulfill their academic, social, and personal potential. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. Gina Fan has the middle moment. An MTSU children's theater professor and her students are piecing elementary school authors' stories into a colorful quilt of theatrical performances they hope to share live and on video to encourage budding writers around the world. Dr. Yetta Halliday and her students have been collecting stories from Middle Tennessee kindergartners through sixth graders in their project called Story Bandits. They're turning them into an hour-long show to perform in area classrooms, post on YouTube, and even take to Ireland for workshops. Dr. Halliday explains how the Story Bandits began. 
several years ago, I was asked by the English department to help them with a project where they had gone into the schools and children had written books. And some of the children won awards and they wanted me to come read the books that the children had written. And it was so much fun. I remember one little girl in the front row, I was reading her book and she was just giggling the whole time. And so ever since then, I've wanted to do something and the timing seemed right. And so I started myself collecting stories and just going to the classrooms to read them. And then I got some students involved and it was so much fun. We saw children would, when I'd say the author, the children would run to the little kid who had written the story and hug that child. We would read the story with all of the emphasis that an actor can put into it. And the class would giggle, they would applaud, and it was so validating for the kids. And then the teachers told us that their students were much more motivated to write and to write better. That's MTSU on the Record. I'm Jenna Logue. Thanks for listening. MTSU on the Record, a news and information program about Middle Tennessee State University, is produced by the university's Marketing and Communications Office, which is solely responsible for its content. Read more about MTSU at our website, mtsunews.com. Podcasts of this program are available at mtsunews.com and on iTunes.